Listening to the iZombie podcast with Robin and Steph, a fan podcast about the CW show iZombie. My name is Robin, and I already give way too much money to a woman that abuses me. Uh, my name is Stephanie, and teen dramas is my safe word. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, with us again here this week is our friend Kevin. Kevin, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be back. <laughs> I said I said to you when you signed up for this one, I was like, you sure you want the Dominatrix one? But, uh, wow, there's a lot more than just uh, kinky shenanigans. Oh, in this, I so, know, man. Uh, I hope everybody's got their tissue box handy. Whew. But uh, we'll, we're going to wait till the end of that. That way I can kind of uh, uh, quickly get away from the mic after to finish crying in a fetal position. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... Um, uh, Steph, did you, uh, you just got back from here. You watched this episode on a plane, right? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> how, how was that experience? Uh, it was, oh, uh, you know, I paid $8 for <laughs> in-flight Wi-Fi. I did not see the preview wow. for the next episode. I'm, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. So oh, I have, I'll tell you, I'll tell you I've, about it. Uh, I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's technically a spoiler, so I'll wait to the end for uh-huh. uh, for those folks that get sensitive about that. But uh, no news this week, uh, so let's get right into our discussion of Spanking the Zombie, um, directed by Sarah Sadie. Sarah Sadie. <laughs> uh, she, she wrote the episode. Uh, she also wrote The Hurt Stalker, so that was the other one she wrote. Um and uh, I'm trying to possibly get an interview with her this weekend. So, folks, if you see another episode pop up on your feed, like maybe Sunday, uh, that means I did. So <laughs> She wrote it and directed it? No, no, no. She wrote it. It was directed by Tessa Blake. Oh, Tessa Blake. okay. Um, this episode is called Spanking the Zombie, but the other title they had for it were, was uh, was submitted by a uh, uh, friend of the pod, uh, Bob Dearden, uh, podcast, uh, and uh, the title was uh, Whips and Brains Excite Me, <laughs> <laughs> which is from uh, the Rihanna song, S&M. Oh, okay. Well, she says chains. <laughs> um, I got some trivia, some facts that I got from Twitter last night. You know, and, and articles I've read around, so I'll interject them here and there. But the couple I have up top is uh, that uh, Rico Colantoni is a, he's directing next week's episode. Oh, all right. Um, spoilers. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> he was on the set during this episode, and Sarah was on the set um, watching it being created. And she was uh, seven months pregnant. And apparently uh, uh, Sarah got some uh, uh, good parenting advice from uh, Keith Mars. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> Mm. Imagine that. That's yeah. Precious, valuable. <laughs> and as always, the live tweet was uh, how do the kids say uh, lit AF uh, <laughs> last night during iZombie, especially the West Coast, where uh, the cast was tweeting along. 
Um, my favorite tweeter would have to be Allie, uh, who uh, tweeted Raul, am I even in this episode asking for a friend? <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. Peyton, no uh, Blaine. <laughs> and I'm yeah. sure Frank had that one going too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, uh, Robert Buckley was apparently getting donuts while the episode was airing. So uh, the funny thing was seeing like Allie tweeting to Robert, keeping him up to date on what was happening in the episode that he was missing. <laughs> so, uh, fun stuff. All right. So let's dig into the episode. Let's start with. Uh, uh, the the most uh, important part of this episode, Donnie, of course, uh, <laughs> with, uh, um, his uh, couple of scenes here. I like that the title card is the stalking dead. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Donnie's uh, opening up the old scratching post for uh, for business. We didn't see any Angus, but uh, I guess Donnie opened it up himself with his new friend. What you guys think of this? So he. What is he planning? Is he planning? Is he creating his own minions? Is he <laughs> he can't stand to be Angus's minion, so he has to. Uh, or what, what's going on? Is he so lonely that he has to make his own, create his own I friends? Think it's lonely loneliness, mm. right? right. <laughs> yeah, he's got to have somebody to at least hang with. So. Yeah, like guys like these, like they're drawn to people that perhaps uh, they can kind of lord over a little bit, or especially Donnie, who is uh, just in a in a lonely place and feeling like under the thumb of Angus rather than his partner, like he was hoping. And as soon as he runs into our old friend Tanner here, um, uh, slinging some uh, slinging some you, but uh, not the good shit, not lucky you. Uh, <laughs> uh, then Tanner finds out that. Uh, Donnie was still has some of that lucky you and um, and uh, yeah Donnie's just flattered by it. Tanner's just like oh my god th- that was the best those people are the best you know so um, we uh, they get high together and have a jam out session to Oasis's uh, champagne supernova so like bar. birds of a feather because <laughs> okay as I was sitting in the uh airport bar this morning having a scone and a coffee and you know the people that drink in the airport bar at 10 (laughs) a.m it's like it's like they're all alike it's like hey birds of a feather you know it's just like (laughs) anyway no no judgments (laughs) on people who drink at 9 45 in the morning at airport bars but (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, uh, you know, oh, these people found each other. Yeah. Birds of a feather. Mm-hmm. And uh, Donnie now has a, you know, a new best friend. Probably not as tough as Chief, but, uh, um, you know, somebody he can boss around. So we Tanner. I was going to say, we've seen Tanner before. Yep. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever mentioned he's, uh, he was, he's played by Nathan Barrett. Um and he was in uh, the episodes Even Cowgirls Get the Black and Blues and uh, Physician Know Thyself. Or Heal Thyself. Heal Thyself. Heal Thyself. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was, I believe he was one of uh, Major's Health and Shelter kids. And then we see him later um, selling Major under that same underpass, mm. uh, some, some Utopian. 
Um, apparently the writers are obsessed with Tanner and they're very glad that uh, he's a zombie now. Um, so he can kind of stick around for a little while. And uh, apparently Rob Thomas picked this song, Champagne Supernova, because of the dual guitar solos that mm. jam out on. <laughs> nope. um, I liked how... Oh, Kevin, did you say something? No, I was just going to say, just so is the fact he's a zombie assumed? Because did we ever see him scratched? No, it was kind of like, you want to be a zombie? Yeah! Oh, yeah, that's why I kind of like, are we going to see something? I mean, I assumed it was going to happen, but I'm just making sure I didn't miss yeah. something. No, no, I was waiting for it to happen too, but I was like, hmm, maybe they just didn't want to do the practical effect right there, mm-hmm. you know, scratching and going through that. Because the next thing we see is the actual grand opening of the place, and we get the callback of what Angus was talking about how the brains are going to be supplied from this Bengalese hospital yeah. that he's bought, and everybody's saying cheers in Bengali. Um,. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, John, Donnie's Donnie's having a blast. So, um, anything else about him you guys want to talk about? I'm just waiting to see. Like uh, Steph was saying, is this just like him getting his first minion, or are these two going to somehow think that they can put their two crazy heads together to go up <laughs> yeah. against Angus and end up in even worse trouble? Yeah, like those uh, those bodybuilders back in season <laughs> one who thought they were going to yeah. able to take out Blaine. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. The next thing I have is uh, Harley. Our, Harley actually gets a little bit of a side plot here. Um, we first we first hear about this uh, through the whole Kavanaugh. He catches wind that Clive and Liv talk to Harley and yells at them about it. And uh, <laughs> Liv's already on the dominatrix branch. Show of hands if you're super turned on right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, Harley, uh, uh, he lets, he lets out that Harley drove by Wally's family's home, like the night before the murder. So Clive is, uh, it's interesting because he really wants to nail Harley, but Liv reminds him that they have no evidence. So he's like, not just going to stop it. Like he's a little bit outside the law on this and obviously he's emotionally involved i just was surprised that he, he immediately went to uh well let's bring your friends at fillmore graves in on this mm-hmm. yeah so like he had already thought about finding a way to get them involved yeah yeah and just you know it's it seems a little unlike clive to be like well let's take a little let's get these people that are not you know police officers in on possibly you know, getting some justice for this family. But again, I think it's the personal involvement. Um, so we go to uh, Chicks before Hicks. <laughs> um, and that's when Liv is debriefing uh, Vivian, AK 40 San, and Carrie Gold, which apparently in the writer's room they were calling those two guns and butter. <laughs> I have no idea why. <laughs> Guns but, uh, and butter. Guns and butter. <laughs> um, and this is one of Liv's big visions here. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But I like the I like that uh, Vivian says we may need to reboot her. Oh, that line was. Oh my goodness, did I laugh at that one? <laughs> I that was just perfect. <laughs> Uh, but the main part of the Harley storyline is during the chapter title uh, Zero Trucks Given." <laughs> 
Um, so they invite him to, to get this check for $10,000, a settlement for his brother. And they're really trying to like hammer in this, you know, notion like, really, you're really going for zombies here. You really think that's real. And, um, Vivian even pulls out the brain, brain gogurt and says, no, it, this is nothing to do with zombies. This is a freak virus. And there's even some men that she has locked up that, um, have maybe exposed and uh, links it to Caleb Tuttle, who was the uncle, and uh, they found that gogurt in his uh, in his house, and ask Harley like, well, how do you identify who's affected by this virus? And he says that their pulse is ten beats per minute, and uh, and he shows like zero remorse. He's like, if they're a zombie, put a bullet in their head, burn the bodies, and uh, you know, if you want to deal with, you know, if you want to sympathize with them, you're just going to be zombie food, and we're we're going to be well armed. We're going to take the war to them. It's uh, it's who we are. Or uh, he says, like me and my fellow travelers, which is interesting. I I looked that that um, statement up, and uh, I I didn't know what I've heard that before. Fellow travelers. Um, but it's a, a person that is sympathetic to an ide- ideology, um, but isn't a formal me- member of that organization. And I guess it's used a lot in like talking about communism. I don't know. I guess that's where it's from. <laughs> okay. But, um, yeah, we actually got a, a little, I'm going to interject a little feedback here. Um, because we got something related to Harley that we kind of skipped over last week. What's um, that? It's from Yerushalmi. And uh, she says, um, the guy at the gun range mentions offhandedly that he's part of the Sovereign Citizens Movement, which was to me one of the funniest lines in the episode. Sovereign citizens are people who believe that every individual person is somehow the ruler of their own country, consisting entirely of themselves. They often refuse to pay taxes or get driver's licenses or use zip codes for some reason and offer truly bizarre arguments when they're dragged into court. And she names a few examples here. Um, uh, like, for example, I don't need to pay taxes on my income because I don't actually make any income. What I'm doing is exchanging services for money. Since the service is equal to the value of the money I receive it for, I'm not actually making anything, so why should I pay taxes on it? Or uh, <laughs> um, there's another one. is uh, In 19, 1953, it's discovered that Congress had never officially declared Ohio a state when it joined the Union in 1803. So they passed a bill to retroactively fix this, and the 16th Amendment, which establishes a federal income tax, was never really ratified because one of the 40 states that ratified it was fake. (laughs) So she said you find uh, uh, funny loopholes like this uh, uh, on uh, loweringthebar.net if you want to look up any more of them. But um, said these people call themselves uh, sovereign citizens. So thanks for sharing that, um, Hiroshima. This is the kind of mindset that Harley is coming from. He's he's in his own of his own nation, I think. Or he doesn't he's you know he doesn't think doesn't believe in the the law taking care of this or you know anybody actually telling the truth in a th- that's an authority. So a li- libertarian, a severe <laughs> libertarian. I guess. <laughs> or um, a whack job. A whack job, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, meanwhile, um, we have the Fillmore Graves troops, like, bugging his truck, 
like severely, severely. bugging it, yeah. like bugging it all over the place. Goodness, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Harley actually shows Vivian that photo he was talking about last week, and it's one nasty looking Romero. Um, and Vivian's just like, "Oh, that you sure that's not like from a zombie movie or whatever?" And he's like, "Yeah, whatever." And then when he gets in his truck, he's talking to somebody. Uh, it seems like from work uh, about it. And uh, he mentions the chaos killer victims were zombies. And that's when Liv and Vivian talk about like how they're going to need to protect the chaos killer victims. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So Barakis might be in some trouble. I'm trying to think of maybe, maybe Natalie will come back and she'll be threatened. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Bring, bring, bring uh, Colin back and, and minor. <laughs> Like, I wonder if we're going to have to check in on some of these, like, chaos killer victims that we saw before. Yeah, I think we're going to find out in an upcoming episode that one of them's been killed or something before they had a chance to, quote, protect them. Yeah, I wonder if you're, I wonder if Harley's going to be the one that takes out Angus. Hmm. That'd be crazy. <laughs> so that's it about Harley. What do, you, what do you guys think of Harley so far? Um, I think that when we first met Harley last week, we you know all we got was skinhead neo Nazi, yeah, whatever. But this time we got we're a little um, got some little some empathy for him because Mm -hmm. we're like he lost his brother. Of course Mm -hmm. he's not really you know it could be bad if somebody is uh you know mourning the loss of their family member and they have uh extreme beliefs <laughs> so <laughs> yes. yeah they're out they're outsiders and they feel like they're nobody's telling them the, the truth it is mm-hmm. a big cover-up i mean he's he's definitely being lied to but and he knows it mm-hmm yeah, I, I I really felt like uh, I got less of the uh, skinhead vibe this time, and more um, of the actual character, actual person. Yeah, I I really think he's he's a, he's a smart guy, and I'm I'm kind of worried what's going to happen when he finds those bugs in his truck because he's totally going to find those bugs in his truck. Yeah, he's he's less of a lone wolf, and and it seems like he's going to you know be able to pull in a larger group. So yeah, now now we get yeah. all worried about him. I wonder if that gun range, like he's he's like I'll see you at work, basically for the guy on the on the phone. Um, so I'm I'm wondering if that gun range is going to be like kind of like their base of operations. I don't know. All right, let's uh, move on to the case, the case of the week in the brain, of course, the the big part of this episode. Um, the uncomfortable so. part. The part I don't want to talk about. <laughs> oh come on! This was comedy gold. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's go through it. Uh, uh, Clive comes to the morgue with a the case. There's nobody. The murder was from a couple of weeks ago. This is uh, Roxanne Greer. She was cremated, and we find out that the brain was the one that Robbie's been experimenting on, and has it in some sort of blue fluid uh-huh. that looks like the stuff your barber put car- <laughs> your combs in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Liv is a little hesitant, uh, not just because it was in this jar of blue goop, but uh, 
uh, Roxanne was a dominatrix named Sweet Lady Payne. And uh, Robbie says it shouldn't be a problem. She's already bossy, as it is. And uh, and we find out that uh, SLP got strangled by her own whip. And Clive says we need to know more about this. And, like, there's no list, so they're going to need to find out through her visions who these clients are. So I didn't quite get... Like, sometimes the, the meal... That they make, she makes out of the brain as some some kind of yeah. I, it was like, like it was like country fried steak or yeah, it was kind of like country fried steak. It was like dipped in batter and then there was batter poured across it in a frying pan. Yeah, I I, I was trying uh, to make the connection and I just couldn't. Yeah, and I didn't see anything out there of anybody saying anything. Uh, so we proceed to a dungeon, Steph, and, uh, and uh <laughs> why, why, why is that directed toward me? <laughs> I just, you know, I, you know, I just thought you'd. In case you hadn't know. noticed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Liv has a whip and she tells Clive, crawl over here, Peggy, and bring me my gloves. <laughs> Clive thinks about it and says, No. no. <laughs> Well, I say the comedy between these two is just gold because he plays that deadpan so well when she starts going several times. Yep. Uh, Malcolm Goodwin actually tweeted that there might be some footage of him in that sex swing trying it out. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine uh, if this episode had happened before Clive figured out, found out she's a zombie, all the lines and oh, things man. he said not knowing where they were coming from? Yeah. Like, is she coming on to me right now? Yeah. Like, what's happening here? And the several times that she actually takes charge in the case later, I think I think oh. Clive, without the knowledge, might be a little upset by it. Um, yeah, Clive says this is where you end up when your parents don't tell you they love you. <laughs> uh, so they find a remote to a video camera. There is no memory card in it, and that's when Liv like lifts up this mask, and that's when she has a vision of mayoral candidate uh, Baracus. Tied up, uh, tied to a bed, has, is wearing the mask, and I swear when they when they whip the mask off, it it I I immediately I like I saw John Barrowman just for a second. Oh yeah, <laughs> like it reminded me of like how he looked when he'd like take his mask off an arrow. Yeah, you know he looked like yes, it's me, <laughs> John Barrowman. <laughs> um, and so yeah. Uh, this this vision is lasting a little bit longer because of the old blue juice. Apparently, these visions are longer and stronger. Yeah, because she says she was up all night the night before when she was getting the visions of all of the the clients. Yeah, no triggers at all. She's just getting them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what makes the scene at uh, Fillmore Grave so great when she just started having it, and they're all like, "What is going on?" <laughs> And we know <laughs> because of, like you said, this explanation, and that's what brings in the whole rebooter yeah. thing. Yeah, because it's so funny to see. We've, you know, for so long we saw the visions from one perspective, but then that like silent uh, perspective mm-hmm. from the other side, and it's kind of eerie. Everybody's just sitting there quietly. <laughs> <laughs> Is she coming back? Yeah, like what the heck? Yeah. 
Um, it, apparently it's only for about 20 seconds, but I guess if someone just kind of goes silent and stares into space for 20 seconds in front of yeah. you, it seems like an eternity. Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I love how Clive refers to, uh, it makes a reference to Game of Thrones and he says, uh, I thought you'd gone warg, which is, uh, what Bran does when he yeah. slips oh. out of his body and takes over yeah. his wolf. Oh, Okay. So we go to, I loved it. I saw it in the window. It was like a flash and I had to pause on it. But that window definitely said pie hard diner. (laughs) (laughs) Pie hard. Uh, The chapter is uh, speak softly and carry a big whip. Um, And I I love that Clive has this little uh, mention of Liv's outfit. Like she always does this. She like gets like a new wardrobe every time she gets a new one. Or like turns her clothes into making it work. But she definitely went out and shopped this week. And damn, fierce. Yeah. Fierce. I just kept writing fierce. I I love this, uh, the outfit with the like the wrapped around her neck like for some reason that's so sexy even though it's simple just something wrapped around her neck oh yeah it was like an open top but like there's like a tie coming down yeah that one yeah i like that one too i mean i like all the outfits the little black dress is adorable Mm. Uh, anyway uh (laughs) (laughs) you just had your version of the 22nd uh (laughs) yeah ah that takes me back (laughs) um so we see Barakis putting a nice bit of hot sauce on his pie and then drips it on Liv's boot and uh, she tells him to kick down on all fours and lick it up. <laughs> oh, and Clive uh, handles and it I so love- well, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should get someplace private. Maybe. Mm, maybe. Yeah, because his, his like, campaign <laughs> uh, manager is next to him like, what? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Barakis pretends not to know about Sweet Lady Pain, and uh, she tells <laughs> Luke tells him, "Don't lie, it's pathetic." <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was at a campaign fundraiser. So the next thing to do is to figure out who is in Liv's visions, and of course, who we bring back for this, but the great Jimmy the Sketch Artist. Oh my goodness. I, God, this this episode is just amazing with recurring characters, isn't it? It's like they brought back all the all stars. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it, it's almost like they were they were like we've got to get Darren Morris and Ken Marino in the same episode together in the same scene. He's got yes. to be he's, he has to represent him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then of course, yeah, we have Tanner. And now and now we have uh, Ryan Beal as Jimmy the sketch artist. Hey, Steph, you wanted some trivia? Name one of the three episodes that Jimmy the sketch artist has been in. Go. <laughs> Uh, what was the one with the sh- with the, the shock jock and the uh, no? That was dead air. I, I don't know. <laughs> Is it dead air? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sorry. Can you, Kevin? No, I'm not that good with the episode titles. I won't even try. <laughs> uh, he's been in three so far. Uh, Brother, can you spare a brain? When he was uh, sketching Blaine for Liv, that's when we first meet him. Uh. <laughs> Uh, dead rat, live rat, I don't know, hi hat, blue rat. No, yeah, there's another <laughs> so color in there. Dead, <laughs> yeah. dead rat, live rat, brown rat, white rat. White rat. Oh, okay, there we go. And grumpy old live. That's right. Did you just look it up? I did. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Uh, he was in okay. Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever. Grumpy Cat has yep. movies. <laughs> what? Well, it had like one movie. Uh, and uh, yeah, I noticed looking at his filmography that uh, he was in the last episode of Hellcats. Really? <laughs> yeah, playing a technician at the, the that final meet. I wish I knew to look for him. And he, anyway, he was so. in an episode of No Tomorrow. I love that show. We're drawing this out really terribly. Uh, no. This is like an amazing scene. Um, so uh, Liv justifies him drawing her visions by saying that she saw nine uh, Snapchats <laughs> and they disappeared. And um, he starts giving her attitude and she immediately calls him. He tells him to... Uh, a sketch bitch she calls him a ske- sketch bitch. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I'm like, oh man, he's she's just gonna scare him away again. But he's like gets aroused by the intimidation. <laughs> yeah, I think he likes it. Yeah, because when Clive comes in, he says, uh, "Can you not first? <laughs> nope. Um, yeah, I, I, my. One of my favorite lines here is where she says, Jimmy, draw the nipples. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he says it's just like a, 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 or a neck up situation. <laughs> yep. She's like, just Jimmy, draw the nipple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, so it, to punish him, uh, she takes, she's, he's like hungry. He needs some blood sugar. He wants to drink some soup, but she says only, only two swallows the soup and he takes out a spoon and she immediately has a vision of a familiar face cleaning silverware in a maid's outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny Frost, who we were predicting was going to be the one with the ball gag in his mouth. Nobody was in a ball gag. I'm surprised. They usually do ball gags when they do S&M stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if that's too... You know, like, I wonder how far... Like... You know, how difficult was it to keep it at the uh, age-appropriate time slot? Like, I wonder <laughs> what, you know, did they plan for other things and some things got cut? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to know that, definitely. Um, yes, uh, Johnny is repeating over and over again, I'll rub it until it's shiny. <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, this is Jimmy notes that she stared at him for like 20 seconds. And then she says, for that, you only get broth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No noodles for you. Uh, So Johnny is called in and he's very offended, of course, because he's always called in on the deviant cases. (laughs) Um, Can you name which episodes that he's been uh, questioned in? Oh, it was the one with the strippers. Yep. Pour some sugar, zombie. Okay. Uh, and early on in, like, uh, season one. Really early on. Really, really early on. Like the second episode? No, first episode. Well done. It's the call girl. Oh. Yeah. That's way back, yeah. And, of course, there's an episode that uh, Darren Norris is in, but he, uh, Johnny Frost isn't because he is a hallucination. Oh. Astro Burger. Oh, that was a great one. Yeah. So he's upset that uh, he might have been recorded because, you know, the people of Seattle re- rely on him as a symbol. He's, a, he's an anchor, mm. man. 
Okay, so he got like a promotion. He's not just the meteorologist, the weatherman weather now. He's yeah. the he's the anchor. So, uh, which that does happen. So, like that's happened here. I know. Because mm-hmm. at first I I was like really, but I was like yeah that happens. It happens, you know, especially if they got some good personality, you know. Um. So, uh, Liv has uh, another vision and. Uh, Threatens to put Jimmy over her knee. Jimmy is very aroused. <laughs> uh, so this is when uh, Clive barges in, and oh yeah, this is, okay. So she sees a vision when she sees Brant Stone walk by Ken Moreno, of course, uh, who is in Deadbeat, and she sees him as a Catholic schoolboy uh, who's uh, doing terrible at speaking Latin and getting punished for it at a school desk. Steph, what did you think of this? Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> what are you asking me? I just asked you what you thought of the scene. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> uh, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but um, last week, or maybe two weeks ago, uh, the number three movie at uh, the box office was How to Be a Latin Lover. And it's a comedy directed by... Um, uh, Ken Marino. So I thought it was funny the whole Latin connection. Different kind of Latin, I suppose. I have no idea what movie well, you were talking about. Here you come up with this <laughs> stuff, Marlon, okay? <laughs> it was a it was number three at the box office. Wow, um, there's right, that's, so. it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad time for movies then. <laughs> Hey, hey, Ken might come on the show. Ken, I'm sure it's hilarious. We have not watched it at all. Steph hasn't even heard of it. Kristen Bell is in it. Rob Lowe is in it. Yeah. What? I have not heard of this. All right. So uh, apparently Brant uh, spotted this peeping Tom outside the window. And uh, so... um, I love when Liv actually leaves the room to go after Brant and Jimmy looks at Clive. He's like, she's single, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's totally on the move. <laughs> so um, Liv intimidates Brant by wrapping a ruler on her hand and then tells him to shut his mouth, which is actually Brant's line. And uh, his alibi is a dog groomer. Um and uh, he's evading le- questions left and right, and Liv calls him out on the whole schoolboy routine, and he says that the the peeper was harassing her, and uh, points out the sketch that is the face that he saw in the window. Um, so Johnny then shows up uh, with lawyer Brandt, and I, I love the whole Veronica Mars uh, reversal, where it's like... Uh, Cliff McCormick being represented by Vinnie Van Lowe, you know, because, you know, Darren Norris played the lawyer in Veronica Mars and uh, Ken Marino was more of the uh, schlubby private eye, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) You guys don't remember? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, he's willing to give the info if they just forgive one tiny white lie and, uh, Clive's like, mm, let me just think about it. And Liv's like, done. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we go to the interrogation room. And uh, and I love – it's interesting that Liv and Clive have now switched seats 
in this interrogation room scene. Yeah. Like lives lives now in, in control. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's intended or not. But um, so I guess uh, Johnny was getting emails, blackmailing him about the video. And we get a, a flash. Uh, we get a little video clip of um, of Johnny saying, uh, "We, we, we," and he's like, "Climate change, climate change," <laughs> uh, which I guess was uh, the safe word. Was uh, again, uh, writer, uh, friend of the show, Bob Dearden, actually uh, pitched that as his safe word. <laughs> I guess she was thinking uh, originally that it would be a tornado warning. So uh, Liv tells him he isn't sorry until he crawls uh, across the floor on his hands and knees. (laughs) And I love that Johnny's like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) He's just about to do it. And then when she's like, uh, you know, she's she's like, only an idiot would uh, uh, think that. A blackmailer would just get rid of the video after you paid him, and she's like, "Say you're an idiot," and he's like, "I," he's <laughs> about to say it. Uh, yeah, Brent, uh, Brent is just gold here with all of the different non-committal phrases describing everything that you may or may not have seen that I did not witness. That uh, this, if I did, I mean, oh my God, it's just gold as far as <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> Oh yeah, Brand is uh, king of uh, evading everything. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "Tell her to stop abusing my client," and she says, uh, "Tell him to stop asking for it." Uh, yeah, it's, it's this is just I couldn't stop writing down lines. <laughs> Such good stuff. Anyway, they have to they have to set up a sting because the blackmailer uh, wants more money. So we go to the drop, and Ravi apparently isn't on this show. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, he comes out of nowhere. And uh, we get this great thing where he and Liv have to pretend to be a couple. <laughs> and uh, the writer's room um, tweeted out, this goes out to all you ra- ravioli shippers. <laughs> <laughs> they have to, like, interlock fingers and she has to tell them how to do it. And he's so it's very awkward. awkward. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard to play awkward on purpose, but he did it beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of fake laughter. <laughs> Uh, and that's when a biker zooms by, grabs Johnny's envelope of cash, and gets nailed by Ice Cream Man Clive. <laughs> um, and then when he gets cuffed, Liv's like, T- put it on tighter. <laughs> so that was fun. I love the outfit, Clive. Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when they showed him what it was going to be. Because <laughs> he's usually so dapper in his suit and looking sharper than him. You're going to be the neon ice cream man. Yeah, he looks a lot like Bert from Mary Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for, for some, some line reason, about, wow, we don't need lights. We can just have you light up the room. For some reason, did y'all ever have, did y'all have a Shakey's pizza back in, uh, I've heard no. this, like in the I've never 70s, had. 80s? <laughs> I just remember those hats from Shakey's Pizza. Oh. <laughs> so we have our murderer here. His name is James Weckler. He's got some issues, apparently, and uh, Clive's, Clive is not sure if we're going to get him to confess to murder, but Lib says that she can do bad cop really well. Clive kind of scoffs at this, but we all know it's coming. Um, what is that? Is that like a blackjack or what is it called? The the thing that she extends out when she walks into the room? 
It's, a billy stick? Is that it? Okay. I don't, let I don't me, remember. Let me, I remember it was I would not want ben to admit to knowing because that would be very incriminating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that she breaks the camera in this scene. Oh, that was, wasn't <laughs> was that like, wonderful? <laughs> 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 turned it off. Turned it off. And then, yeah, for some reason that James, it's, I, I rewatched the scene. It's a little weird. I don't know if they cut something out of it or whatever, but she's like, you did this, this, and this. And he's like, that's a good enough story as any. I admit it. I killed her. And yeah. <laughs> where do I sign? It's very strange. I don't know. So um, that's that's it for the case, the brain. I don't know if you guys want to mention anything more about your favorite stuff from there or anything I missed. Probably I combed over everything. Well, I just, I, I think we, uh, saying we know, at least I am sensing that we are definitely going to have some future episodes with uh, Robbie putting it in the blue juice when they need some yeah. more intense visions or they need more of them, that they're going to somehow purposely do that. I'm, I'm just thinking I got to go back to that. I mean, that was just gold from a story point of view. Yeah. And I think they mentioned somewhere on Twitter, like, that they were trying to fig- figure out like the perfect brain to do that with. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if that meant it was going to be a one-time thing or if they were going to, you know, marinate another. Brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mentioned that, uh, Rob, Rob Buckley was going out for donuts, uh, while this episode was airing on the West coast. And that is because it was his birthday yesterday. So happy birthday, Rob, if you're listening, um, he turned 36 and, uh, I can't believe he's over 30, quite honestly. (laughs) I can't, I can't believe he eats donuts. (laughs) Those abs. Yeah. That's probably not yeah. an in-season thing he gets to do. Only can do that after filming is done. Oh, God. He tweeted out a picture of them, and they looked amazing. Like, there was one that was, like, covered in Lucky Charms, it looked like. God. Lucky so, Charms. Uh, yeah. My mouth Sign me up. Yeah. He probably <laughs> eats donuts one time a year on his birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, let's get into Major's storyline. Okay. Oh, let me pull over we the box off. of tissues first. <sighs> All right, so uh, we start off at the beginning of the episode, Zombie Apocalypse Now, and uh, Major and Justin are in another country, and they're dealing with a hostage situation, and they end up pounding some Max Ragers and parkour right up the side of a building. It's <laughs> that was amazing. amazing. Yeah, was that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rob Ashley tweeted, my uh, Major's parkour is second only to his Zumba. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, he takes out two guys He kills them immediately And then receives about 35 flesh wounds To the stomach <laughs> Just <laughs> flesh wounds saves him. So yeah, he, he killed a couple of guys yeah. Isn't that, I don't know It seemed a little weird to me, I guess It, it, it seemed weird to me In how easily he did it Yeah It's that training coming in, mm-hmm. I suppose uh, you know, see if that comes back. I mean, you know, he's, he looked a little sad afterwards, but then he saw that family outside the tent and, um, um, it looked like he had kind of come to peace with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we, yeah, we see him being patched up in the warehouse and they mentioned something about these, um, these kidnappers being Kumarian separatists. 
And I was like, Kumari and Kumar, what's that? You know, and like, I was, obviously immediately my mind goes to Harold and Kumar. Um, but this is Kumar with a Q at the top, right? So I looked it up and uh, Kumar is a fictional Middle Eastern country from the West Wing. Ah. <laughs> so this is another country they've taken from the West Wing. Uh, the other one was Equatorial Kundu, which was where the uh, the uh, Fillmore Graves soldiers got exposed to what was it, like nerve gas or something. Um, the thing that made them have to get scratched by Vivian. Uh, anyway, all right. So Major keeps the bullets, and uh, and we hear some sounds of chopping. And uh, this other soldier comes in with a large sack, and he dumps it into a metal box. And yeah, we take a look in the box, and. There's a bunch of heads on ice in there. Yeah, that was Nummy. I guess that's where they get the brains for the Gogurt brains. The yeah. <laughs> brains, yeah. Yeah, they didn't buy a Bengalese hospital. <laughs> so But they do uh I mean Vivian did mention in the first episode that they're you know, they have I don't know, contracts with like uh uh, funeral homes around Seattle. Oh, okay. I, and the, yeah, wa- like Washington and Oregon, like around the coast or something. Uh, the song playing here was uh, One Tin Soldier. Mm, and yeah. uh, it's a song I really didn't know, but um, it's an anti war song I wrote. I, I, I looked up. Is it Jung Baez? It's a band called The Original Cast. Oh, okay. Like C A S T E, but I, I don't know if that's. I've never heard of that before. And so was it a was cover? Just, maybe. I, I really don't know. I don't know. Um, but it'd be interesting to look up. Um, so back at Fillmore Graves, uh, Major is uh, still a little bit weirded out about collecting the heads. And Justin says they won't need them. They won't need them anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and when he leaves, Major has this gigantic coughing fit. And so bad that he collapses to the floor. And thank goodness Justin comes back in. <laughs> and uh, Major sputters out to take them, take him to the police morgue, which I'm sure Justin was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> and he's very confused in his next scene. He's like, what, a cure? What, 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 uh, what are you yeah, talking what's about? Going like, on? Rats? Yeah. But it's this uh, very fast-paced scene where Ravi's going to give him the cure, but Liv realizes that these wounds that he's gotten are going to kill him if they turn him human. So, they uh, Liv uses a needle and I believe it's to I mean, Steph, I don't know if you know anything about this, but I thought it was kind of like to extract the fluid from the Major's lungs, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, like like a like a uh, okay, uh Say, say you're, there's fluid like pushing, there's fluid in between the lung and the ribs, okay? And it's fluid mm-hmm. that's like pushing his lungs, squeezing his lungs together. And so she would pull that, like, a, like there would be an, a pocket of fluid that she would, uh, uh, yeah, extract out. Drain. Drain. <laughs> yes, that's the word. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's too bad we didn't get to see that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of cut away from that. Um, to uh, we're back at Major's house and Major's in bed, and there, <sighs> there's Ravi just sitting there in the chair, and live next to the bed, and just they're just waiting for him. And 
Liv actually demands Robbie go to bed. Like, he just doesn't want to leave his friend's side. And, uh, yeah, this is where, you know, this is where I'm, I'm going to read, uh, read the stuff that I wrote down here. I'm going to try not to well up, but, uh, um, <clears throat> so, uh, uh, Liv tells Major that the serum didn't work. This is the first he's finding out about Blaine and how the serum didn't work on him. And, um, Major prepares himself for losing his memories and he says, once I'm new me, keep reminding me what we meant to each other. And, and also... Give me a new name. <laughs> and she says, I'll call you Gern Blanston. <laughs> Which I looked I looked this up and apparently this is Steve Martin's real name. Really? Gern Blanston. Uh, according to the internet. <laughs> um, and uh, then he's like, tell me about our first kiss. And they talk about how he came over to, like, I think her dorm room to study. And she was in her laundry day pajamas, and she said that was because he made her feel comfortable, and, and it's a gift that he has. And uh, and then he tells her that she was beautiful. And dude, freaking Pearl Jam starts up my 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 favorite band. <laughs> uh, their track "Just Breathe," and it, look at the lyrics, folks. This is the perfect song for this scene. Every single lyric in the song pretty much matches up to the situation. It is so perfect. And it's funny because Rob Thomas usually makes these calls and, you know, brings these amazing songs into the show. But Rob lets Sarah, uh, the writer, pick the show, pick the song. And uh, she's the one that picked this song out, which is very rare. <laughs> um, so... Uh, uh, this one major says the silver lining to forgetting is that you're gonna knock me off my feet all over. Yeah, that was great. <sighs> that was just beautiful. I mean, and this this oh is the my- scene where for me we we had so little early in the show about realizing how much they were in love because you know the zombie yeah. thing pushed them apart. I mean, this scene just reminded you of how much the two of them were soulmates and how much they you know were just magic together. I mean, it was both beautiful and heartbreaking. Yeah. And, you know, and it really speaks back to, you know, what we were talking about last week, I think when major sees Justin and live like dancing and just the look he has on his face and, you know, and we're trying to figure out which one it is, but I, I really think it was just like him just thinking, man, this girl, this girl, you know, I'm going to miss her. You know, I'm, I'm, so, like, uh, wonders lead to wonders because there's a kiss and then there's heavy making out. And I, I'm just assuming they had sex because there were shirts coming off oh, and yeah. then we kind of cut away. Yep. There's no doubt. And, <laughs> uh, and it's great because Sarah, uh, Sarah Saidi, uh, um shared uh, a photo of herself from the writer's room. During season two, and you notice that in the background, this got on the whiteboard um, some details of the season two finale, and basically like uh, it says like miners groomer body bags blurry photo. It's like evidence against Major, and Sarah is holding a sign that says Major and Liv have zombie sex, <laughs> <laughs> and she's and she just like tweeted out dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> she called it back then. Uh, and the song, the song just continues playing as we go into morning. And f- 
fucking Ravi just standing there in the kitchen with tears in his eyes as he's grabbing the syringe of the cure and just, he knows, like, oh my god. Um, and uh, Sarah tweeted out that, you know, zero lines in the scene, and she just watched that being filmed and cried. <laughs> and, and apparently Raul's mom was there and uh, was just so proud of her son uh, during that filming. Aww. I know, right? And so we go to Major waking up and uh, Liv's getting her clothes back on. And, and Robbie comes in and um, he looks at him. He's like, the wounds have healed enough for you to survive. And it's, it's time. And he says that the memory loss is going to be a slow fade. You know, for Blaine, it was a couple of days. And Robbie then, like, makes this little choker. He's like, I had the best speech for you, but you're going to forget it anyway. <laughs> so let's just agree that it was brilliant. <laughs> And then I just wrote in, like, capital letters my notes, these three, like, these three characters, like, uh, uh, just the bond between them and where we're at at this point, and uh, I don't know, and, and, um, and he goes, anything to add, Liv, and, and she says, it's already been said, and Major says, I'm gonna miss you guys, (laughs) and they, and she says, uh, we're not going anywhere, and uh, that's when they get the syringe out. We have a close-up of Liv's hand holding Majors, and we hear the great Eddie Vedder singing, Hold Me Till I Die, Meet You on the Other Side, as they fade to black. And oh my god. <laughs> I am in tears watching this damn thing. <sighs> so. But... This is not exactly, you know, we don't know for sure that that's what's going to happen. Right. Yeah, you know, exactly. But still, it's like, this is really like, like laying it on, like, it's happening. This is happening. Major, as we know it, is going to slip away. And, oh man. What if it's it's the opposite of Blaine? What if he does lose his memories, but he turns into just a devious scoundrel (laughs) bad guy? I know. I hypothesized evil major last weekend. Uh, Wow. That's going to be hard to see after this. But, uh, I mean, I've seen shows do it before. (laughs) So. I mean, can... Would Robert, Robert Buckley just seems like such a nice guy. Like, he seems so well yeah. cast for Major. Would he be able to pull off villain? I think I think he would, but I don't think we're going to be happy to see it. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, much like, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, of uh, you know, kind of a rumbling amongst the fans. Like, yeah, we, we like this Blaine, but we do miss, like, Evil, evil Blaine. And, uh, man, imagine just Major going dark, like really dark, like darker than we've ever seen him before, and, and going evil. <laughs> uh, um, I actually wrote down, where's Major's family in all this? Like, in the entire show. <laughs> but, honestly, like, I was thinking the same thing. I know, that's probably, it's not something... Basically. It's, it's kind of like on Buffy when... You know, when Tara, when, oh, I shouldn't say anything. But, you know, when characters <laughs> die on other shows, you're like, yeah. why are these characters the only people in the world who care that they're, you know, 
where's where's the family? Mm-hmm. But you know, we're not really I mean, supposed I, to think well, about that. I guess I guess he was surrounded by his family as much as we know it on this show. <laughs> yeah. But like, but, yeah. Uh, what about the uh, woman who did give him the name Major? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, freaking! Like, imagine like years from now, people are going to be equating the name Gern to Angelus. <laughs> uh, that's sorry, folks. If you don't watch Buffy, that's like that's a character that that went evil for a while there. So. And, and watch Buffy. What's wrong with you? Um, anything else to say about this episode? We have a bunch of feedback here. Um, but anything you guys want to say, Kevin? I, ju- I just did. I mentioned this to you real quickly in, in messaging today. I mean, I yeah. I had looked ahead to see when I'd have some time because I wanted to come back on with you guys to cover an episode. So I it kind of knew May was going to have to be the time with some of my other podcasting commitments. And it was just kind of a grab a week. And so when I saw this one, I thought it'd be fun, being the dominatrix <laughs> one, but I had no idea of the emotional hit. Um, and, and I mean, I was like you, chuckling, writing down so many lines for the first three quarters of this yeah. thing, and then it turned on a dime, and I'm like, wow. I mean, it's just brilliant to be able to do that in the same episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, the, the case ends, and there's like 10 minutes left in the episode, and you're like, what's Yeah, going what's going to happen? And then I re- it literally, I, I, I remembered, because you had mentioned... You know, when you when you share some episode uh, outlines or whatever a couple of weeks ago, like, and, you know, the episode where, you know, Majors on Death's Door is coming soon. And I hadn't put two and two together until I looked and saw how much time is left and saw him with the <laughs> coughing. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to be this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, um, why don't we get into uh, some feedback? Kevin, did you want to stick around for feedback? Sure. All righty. Steph, do you have anything open? Yes. I have. Okay, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to read? Anything. Marissa? Go for it. All right. Here's Marissa's email. Uh, hey, Robin and Steph. This week's episode, Spanking the Zombie, moves the overarching storyline along while bringing some laughs in in the form of our favorite iZombie anchorman, Johnny Frost. I love that the writers call out that they bring him in for questioning anytime there's a murder of a stripper, call girl, or in this case, dominatrix. And not only is Johnny Frost being represented by Seattle's sleaziest defense attorney, Brant Stone, Mr. Stone is also apparently one of the dominatrix clients, of course. Uh, it's always a treat having Veronica Mars alumni on iZombie, so I love the double dose this episode. They went a yes. little... Sarah, uh, Sarah tweeted out that, um, uh, can you imagine who else is on that list? And, and she's like, definitely Von de Clark. <laughs> <laughs> they went a little more, over, <laughs> they went a little overboard with the brain of the week, but it was used to hilarious effects with Jimmy, the sketch artist who apparently liked the abuse from dominatrix live. I can't wait <laughs> to see his reaction when she's totally different in their next encounter. <laughs> also, in the comic relief category, I loved seeing Don Don E make a friend. He just won't. He just wasn't himself without a sidekick. R.I.P. Chief. Mm. I thought it was interesting that Liv got longer untriggered visions this week since the brain had been marinating in Ralphie's 
brain serum. Hopefully that means that Ravi is on the right track and Major's impending memory loss won't be permanent. Hmm. Mm. I also love Efrek's theory of Blaine's memories might need to be triggered like visions. Hopefully we'll get some advancement mm. on Blaine on the Blaine brain serum storyline next week. And finally we know uh no, let's start with this. <laughs> And finally, we had the heartbreaking scenes of Liv and then Ravi saying goodbye to the major that they knew, all of which leaves me with what was an unresolved question from the episode. Major's work friend brought him to the morgue when he collapsed in the locker room at work and uh, heard Liv and Ravi discussing the cure, but they never show them debriefing the friend on the cure after they saved Major's life. The Cure is something that I'm sure Fillmore Graves would be very interested in, but I can't decide if they'd want to help Ravi make a new and better version of The Cure or if they've gotten interested in being zombies and don't want to go back. Until next week, Marissa in D.C. Well, I think that during the... um, I I think that during that battle, that rescue, rescue in the family, I think... Like, it just benefits them being zombie. And just like uh, Major got those 35 flesh wounds, <laughs> it just benefits them being zombies. They're uh, tougher and harder to kill. So it's true. I don't yeah, think they want the to be cured. Mm-hmm. Yep. They don't want to be cured. Yeah, I can't help but think of like the like the X Men reference here. Like I can see Fillmore Graves more Brotherhood of Evil Mutants than you know Professor X's uh, uh, school of gifted students. Like uh, I think they embrace it a lot more and uh, deeply resent uh, humanity rather than wanting to really work with them. Uh, speaking of Efrex, here's his email. Hi, Robin and Steph. I'm sure that someone out there is going to be annoyed at how this episode treats the BDSM lifestyle. I might agree with them, but I can't get annoyed at this episode until I stop laughing and weeping. And I'm not <laughs> sure the universe will still be around when I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that they just had to do a very PG version. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, they had to do a lot version. I would of- love to hear... If any of our listeners are into the BDSM scene and want to comment on this anonymously, even I won't give out your name. Uh, I'd love to hear if they were respectful about it or not. You know, yeah. If they felt like it was cheap or whatever. Um, all right, Rose McIver's performance in this one deserves every accolade and then some. What a treasure this actress is, and she better start getting some major recognition. Yes, I know. How long did it take Tatiana Maslany to get an award? Yeah, yeah. yeah like five my years. Husband, my husband is like, you know that Orphan Black? That's a good show. She's a really good actress. I said, I know, <laughs> and so is Rose McIver. Like Rose McIver is doing the same thing. She's doing a different yeah. character every week. Uh, you know, I mean, it should honestly, be. I love Tatiana, but Rose is beating her pants off because she's constantly doing a new, not just like. She's deeply created like five new characters. She's created about 30. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you guys will hash every ha- highlight, so I'll just throw in a few quick random thoughts. I don't know if any of, if are any references in, if there are, if there are any references in the food sequence other than beating the brain, and I'm not sure I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I want my life to have a musical score like Majors. He's gotten some of the best songs in the scene in his scenes, and One Tin Soldier and Just Breathe are just two more winners. Is Angus really letting Donnie manage day-to-day operations at the Scratching Post? Can't see that ending well. Also, is the Scratching Post going to become a Fillmore Graves hangout? That could make things interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'd like to see those two worlds interact. Uh, the Utopium dealer whom Donnie turned was a former Helton Shelter resident, right? Yes, correct. Wonder if we'll see him and Major interacting anytime soon. Hmm. So good to see loyal friend Ravi again. I'm not a ravioli shipper by any stretch, but boy, did those two look cute together during their ransom drop-off scene. Considering Liv's brain, I was surprised Major didn't have a couple of fresh marks on him the morning after their romantic session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, when they started, like, getting into it and she pulled his shirt off, I was like, no, keep the shirt on. He's got some fresh wounds there. <laughs> Uh, he finishes off says the only remaining exquisite torture now is waiting to hear that CW has renewed the show. All the best, Efrex. <laughs> Thanks, Efrex. Uh, what's next? Uh, oh, did you want to read Sean's stuff? He's got like a quick little thing. Uh, Sean says, no subject. Love this show 100% more. Saying goodbye isn't easy. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> All right, I'll read Tim's. He's got two emails, but it's they're really quick. Um, hey, Robin, Steph, and potential, potential guest. Uh, more feedback for you this week. Once again, in snippet form. Rose was great as usual, and this brain was a hoot. It was great to see returning faces like D.A. Baracus, Johnny Frost, and the slimy Ken Marino lawyer whose name escapes me. Brantstone. Uh, <laughs> Ravi had Lady Payne's brain soaking in the memory serum, and Liv's visions are clearer and longer. This would lead one to believe Blaine is actually faking. Hmm. Huh. I'm not sure how that connects, but, uh, oh, uh, he says, I personally don't believe Blaine was faking his amnesia, but he may have been lying when he said he didn't remember anything. Who knows if it was a slow fade with losing her memories, maybe it's a slow fade regaining them, or he just wants to stay with Peyton. The fact that he talked her out of sex last week though, and wasn't the one to initiate it when Peyton dragged him to her room. I'm still iffy. I guess. All right. We're going to cut that next sentence out, Tim. <laughs> uh, Redacted. Yes. Redacted. Speaking of Blaine and Peyton, I did miss them this week. I guess they were having a round two this entire episode. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Donnie turning Tanner. While fun, made me question how Angus would react to it. It's one thing if Donnie turned him to make him a client, but to bring him in on their enterprise... I compare Donnie and Angus to Jesse Pickman and Walter White on Twitter. I suppose Tanner would be their badger. <laughs> Dino would be their Mike. All right. And uh, he's got a little something else here. Uh, I know they're desperate, but I'm side-eyeing their certainty that things will play out with Major exactly as they have with Blaine. Liv said maybe it'll have a different effect. But Major disregarded this as misplaced hope. Um, not really. There's a reason pharmaceutical research doesn't give a new drug to one dude and call that good enough. They don't say, well, this guy didn't grow snuff, or didn't snuff it or grow a tail, so let's slap this puppy on some comp pens and call it a week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Also, the plan is for Major to take the serum at the first sign of memory loss. Blaine had gone, what, weeks? Over a month? They aren't really comparing apples to apples here. Chemotherapy works, but you're not going to get the same results with stage 4 cancer that you do with stage 1. It's entirely possible the serum does work, but that they missed some kind of crucial window with Blaine. And he says, that's it for realsies this week, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Some good thoughts there. Yeah, I bet Tim works in a hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Those were the good old days when we got pens all the time. (laughs) I think whatever they do, if it's going to be as complicated as that, they better really explain it because people are going to be like, huh? (laughs) So uh, we have a little bit of Facebook feedback. Um, Steph, are you on that page already? Of course not. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, it, this is uh, Kevin talking to Jen in here. I'll skip past this. <laughs> uh, Sean adds on to his email. He says, I bet Liv is going to make Clive uncomfortable with her new. Oh, this is, they're just uh, getting ready for the episode. Let me skip down. Um, uh, Gary says, I live in the West Coast, so I just saw it. I have to say, that was powerful. Um, Nikki says, okay, this was like two great episodes in one. The case was delightful. It was great to see, it was great fun to see the sketch artist slowly being drawn in by Liv in Dom mode. And by the way, that Johnny Frost's eyes kept lighting up was priceless. (laughs) (laughs) Then everything took an amazing turn with Major's story. It was as if they consumed my brain because this one ticked off every box of what I wanted for Liv and Major. Their connection has rarely been shown with this much honesty. It was divine. Yes. Yes. Same. I'm a big Liv Major shipper as well as uh, Major and Ravi. Um, <laughs> Steph, do you, do you want the next one? or? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I guess this is Steph Taylor, Dave Steph Taylor. Um, Such a fun episode. Great to see Action Hero Major. My issue, though, is Fillmore Graves should have a better physical screening. Seriously, with his breathing, Major should not be out in the field. Hmm. (laughs) Number two, what are Blaine and Peyton up to? Did they take a lover's retreat? (laughs) (laughs) Number three, the ending was emotional. Going to be interesting what they do with Major. I did love the reference to Major's name. Nice bit of humor in a stressful moment. <laughs> Marissa says, uh, yes, Fillmore Graves should have uh, their own zombie phys- phys- physicals and their own doctor's office come to think of it. It's not as if any of them can go to a regular doctor anymore. <laughs> right. James says it was easily the best episode this season. No Ravi Blaine Peyton misery. Thank God. God. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. I really liked uh, that the bad guys repped by uh, Hartley, Hartley Johnson. Johns. John, Hartley John, Harley Johns are yeah. knowledgeable and dangerous. Finally, the original synopsis for the episode had a Blaine Peyton scene that did not air. Very curious. Hmm. Oh, James says, dang, I forgot to mention that Jimmy the Pencil, Johnny Frost the Pervert, and Brant Stone, the Perfect Sleaze, were all present and accounted for as funny as hell. It was nice to see them all again. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. In the episode's description for Spanking the Zombie, it says right at the end, Meanwhile, Blaine and Peyton have a heart-to-heart. So, I wonder what happened there. Cool. Well, I I guess that's it for feedback, right? That everything? I think so. Okay. Uh, and I guess this is where we get to the part where I uh, we're, we don't want to get right into spoilers. We want to make sure everybody knows where to find you on the internet, Kevin. And, and of course, thank you for being on the show. Oh, what? So, uh, Always a blast being on with you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, you can find all my genre TV stuff over at uh, tuningintosci-fi-tv.com. Cool. Cool. Uh, so folks, uh, again, thanks for all the interaction, all the feedback, all the likes we're getting, all the new people in the groups. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that we get some more five-star reviews and we'll read some of those. I didn't actually check this week. I feel bad. I I know there must be some, I mean, gosh, you know, all, all the, uh, amazing requests I do for it every week. (laughs) I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> let's get into uh, our spoiler section. I'm going to talk first about, uh, well, actually, the only thing we really have to talk about it is the episode called Some Like It Hot Mess. And here's the trailer. She was messy, self-centered, dramatic. Annoying, always flirting. Party all night type. <laughs> Get you on this crazy brain, but don't forget we're police on a job. I think she was killed for being awesome. I Zombie, all new this Tuesday at 9, 8 central on The CW. And that was the trailer for Some Like It Hot Mess. Here's the episode description. Uh, Rico Colantoni directs the episode to help Clive solve the murder of an irresponsible narcissist. Liv consumes her brain and literally becomes a hot mess. Meanwhile, Peyton learns some shocking news. She's pregnant. Uh, <laughs> lastly, <laughs> zombie babies. Lastly, Ravi experiences a major setback. Oh, I wonder if they phrased that that way for a reason. Uh, so yeah, Rika Colantoni directs, uh, written by John Enbaum. Um, so, uh, yeah, stuff in this trailer, uh, we see, um, Liv is a DJ. What? Yeah. She's like this, uh, hot party girl. And, uh, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with the term hot mess, Uh-oh. but I guess this is like a uh-huh. gorgeous girl where catastrophe happens all around her and she has no responsibility at all and doesn't really care. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. In fact, on this brain, Liv says at the end of the trailer, I think she was killed for being awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, she's lots of strutting and dancing around. So she's no basic bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this uh, this sure. is all the millennial speak I know. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I'm glad someone's on top of this stuff. <laughs> And it looks like in the trailer, it looks like she, uh, this girl died from a hairdryer being thrown in her uh, bathtub. Ah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we got a lot of uh, live at the club, drinking hard and, and uh, playing tunes and uh, a lot of Clive uh, <clears throat> reacting to all this. Um, so... That's it for our spoilers on Some Like It Hot Mess. I do have a 
spoiler slash hypothesis theory crafting part I wanted to mention right at the end here. Um, and honestly, folks, skip ahead if you don't want to know anything. Kevin, I don't know if you want to do that. Well, that's not. okay. I, I listen to all your good stuff. Okay. So in the promotional photos for episode seven, which is dirt nap time, it shows Liv and Major in an alleyway together. Um, and Liv, for some reason, has Blaine by the throat. <laughs> And for me, that says to me, and I'm sure they're probably playing me for a fool, but to me, that just seems like Blaine has just been figured out that he's been lying and that Major has has not lost his memories at all. But that's just me reading a photograph. Why did she have Blaine by the throat after this episode? That just seems to be my my big theory, my crackpot theory. I understand and, uh, I, understand I, don't, I don't know, but I just can't see Major losing his memory and Major being a different character. I, t- yeah. I can't see it happening. Yeah. But I can't believe Blaine sat across from his father and didn't and didn't let Angus push his buttons. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How he reacted so coolly to his father that day and gave up all that money, gave that money back to his dad. I just, I don't know. Right. And now it's time to end the podcast. Just like that? Shouldn't we say goodbye in a more pleasant way? When I want your advice, I'll beat it out of you. Now go be a little co-host bitch and hit stop on the recording. Excuse me? Oh, I think you heard me, Robin. I think you heard me loud and clear. I uh, um, I just I just need to take a drink first. I'll allow two sips, no more. And you just lost the privilege of saying goodbye. Shut your mouth. As for the rest of you slaves, thanks for listening to the podcast. I'll be back next week, and so will Robin if he behaves. Really? Shut your mouth. Thank you for listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. Send your feedback to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for iZombie Podcast, all one word. All of our contact info is on our website, iZombiePodcast.com. You can follow Steph on Twitter at Steph Smith. You can follow Robin as well at El Robinero. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at Behance.net slash Deanna Sheehan. Also, friend of the show Cheyenne contributes with Photoshops on our Twitter. Follow her at iZombieLove. Check out our other podcast. You can listen to us binge cast through teen dramas like Dawson's Creek and Popular. Just subscribe to We Don't Want to Wait on iTunes. You can also listen to us occasionally talk about the Buffy spinoff Angel with our friends. Subscribe to Redemption Cast on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, why not leave us a review? We do this in our spare time so your ratings and reviews are much appreciated and helps us get seen by more iZombie fans. And make sure it's on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. And we're done. You think anyone is still listening? Probably not. Zombies! Zombies!